Mindfulness Mode 521. When you have that empathy, you can really be a lot more mindful with everything that's going around you, which allows you to be a lot more present with what everyone's going through. Hey, Mindful Tribe, good to be with you again today. Are you doing deep breathing during these days of lockdown? I hope you're doing something to help you get focused and energized. I know it's not easy. I can't emphasize enough how much of a difference deep breathing can actually make. And I know I I do 30 deep breaths at least at a time. Just I take a period of time, a quiet time where I can I can stand in a comfortable position. You could do it sitting down if you want to and just take those full, deliberate, deep breaths and that can help you to feel better. Now, as you know, I also recommend meditation and I have a a full 30 minute guided meditation for you and it'll help to relax you and help you to get focused. It's only $4.99 and I'll be donating the proceeds to save the children. So you can get that by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash release. Now, today we're talking about automatizing your business, setting it up so it can operate without you. And what's the mindfulness behind doing this? Well, you're about to find out. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my talk today with Paul. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I know a lot of you are interested in business. You're either in business or you'd like to get into business, entrepreneurship, maybe start a successful business. Well, we've got the guy here. We've got Paul with us today. And Paul is the founder of the Ultimate Freedom Mastermind. He uses focus and determination and has used that in a huge way to build a business from zero to 500,000. Hey, Paul, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am ready, Bruce. That's awesome. So great to have you with us. I'm just so impressed how you've built your business and you built it up to half a million and then sold it for a very lucrative return. And then you set out on a new mission to help other small business owners to automate their businesses so that their business could thrive even without them. And that way they could leverage their business to build a life they love. And all that with a sense of mindfulness. And I know you have an awesome podcast called the Business Owners Freedom Formula Show. And uh, you, you get your word out there all the time. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Paul? Yeah, Bruce, I, that's a really good question. I probably didn't have it until I was a couple of years into that first business because I didn't really, you don't learn it in school and you're always kind of put through school and go to get good grades and climb the corporate ladder. So I started doing that. And then, you know, I just realized I was just kind of a robot. So uh, really what mindfulness really means to me now is being present, being focused on what's in front of you, being aware and really being empathetic. I think the empathetic part to me as a business owner, business coach, former corporate employee, uh, when your leaders have empathy, whoever that leader might be, whether it's a parent, whether it's a coach, whether it's an employer, when you have that empathy, you can really be a lot lot more mindful uh, with everything that's going around you, which allows you to be a lot more present with what what everyone's going through because everyone's fighting something. Yeah. Well, Paul, isn't it a fine line between 
dishing your, like just kind of turning off your emotion a bit, getting your systems running and all your processes running and being that kind of robot type person, but still being in touch with who you are through mindfulness. How do you keep that fine line happening? Yeah, that that is very true. So I'm more of the black and white, like systems, processes, spreadsheets, formulas, everything is black or white, but mindfulness obviously is not. Uh, so I think it's an ongoing journey. And uh, somebody told me that being a parent and being a business owner, probably the two biggest personal development journeys you'll go on. And I would, I would definitely agree with that. So not only just being a parent, but being a husband, being a wife, whatever realm you're in, uh, but being a husband too, you really do have to be mindful because for so long, I was just kind of on my own journey. I'm going to go to school, get these grades for me. I'm going to go get a job for me. I'm going to build a career for me. And then all of a sudden, these other people enter the picture, whether it's employees who now you're responsible for or a spouse or a kid, uh, how do you balance that of, you know, you, what you have to go get to support those people, but you also have to have that empathy. You have to have that focus and you really have to care about them because without one of those cylinders firing, whether it's employee, your spouse, your kid, it's really hard to be mindful. It's really hard to be present because there's a lot of, lot of moving parts. Well, you've been more successful than a lot of people because you have heart, but at the same time, you operate from your mind a lot as well in order to get these systems going. Have you always been like that or did you have to search and try to make one of those things happen more for you? Yeah, so I would definitely, I would say I I probably had to work on the heart side more thing because I was always, I'm just going to go do this. I'm going to get a job. I'm not going to complain like my parents instill that, like you work, you get paid. You show up every day, you do that, you will be successful. And I was, I, I would say the heart, the empathy probably first started when I entered the corporate world because my managers, in my opinion, if they're listening, I'm sorry, but they didn't really have that. It was just like, you're here to do this job. This is what I expect. And I don't really care what you have to say about that. And once I flipped to the other side and became an employer of employees, I realized I'm going to do like the exact opposite of what my you know, former managers, former employers did because I understood what it felt like to be on the other side and having that empathy. Like, man, am I making a difference? Is this getting me anywhere? I feel like I'm just totally replaceable. I'm not making a difference, not making an impact. So to me, that was probably the biggest shift. So when I started hiring employees, it was like, okay, I get it. Because when I started my first business, I used to do their job. And then it was like, I need to hire people to do that. So I know what parts of the job weren't fun. I knew, knew what ones were and kind of figured it out along the way, but really having that communication with whoever it is, whether it's your employees, your spouse, and understanding of what everyone's going through and being comfortable telling people that and not worried about, am I going to get fired? Am I going to have to sleep on the couch? Is it okay to tell them how I really feel? So uh, it's been a journey and you know, throwing a three, or three and a half year old child into the mix, it just takes it to a whole nother level. Uh, because that is like pure emotion. There's not a whole bunch of logic sometimes. So no. <laughs> it's a constant journey. Yeah. So thinking back, what was your biggest struggle? Did your biggest struggle involve business and that business world, or did it involve your home life, your family, your wife? Yeah, I would say I would say the home life and the family, because you know, even when me and my wife were married, she was working at the hospital. So she was working 12, 14 hour days. You know, she worked from seven to seven, which means she left at six, got home at eight. And we really just kind of worked and we still had plenty of time for ourselves. So when you throw a kid in the mix and then you throw in more obligations as you get older, all of a sudden you got a house, you got a mortgage and you got a yard to keep up like 
So that's probably that was probably the bigger struggle of really being focused on what the end goal is and kind of start eliminating kind of the distractions, the noise, the TV, the social media, whatever it might be. Because for so long, it was even when I worked in corporate, if I worked 50 or 60 hours, I still had 50 to 60 hours of awake time for myself. Like that's a lot of time. So uh, I didn't really have to be mindful because I had in my, you know, the way my actions were saying is I had a lot of time. So Mm. I would say the home life, the marriage, being a good parent, definitely more of a struggle. Business has always kind of come natural to me. My dad ran his own business. My mom was in finance. So the numbers, the business, the customer service, all that kind of came really second nature just based on being a product of my environment. So, Paul, as the money started to roll in and the success started to happen with your company, did you ever reach a point where you kind of hit a wall and you're like, oh, my gosh, is this all there is? And, you know, and did you ever feel that? I did. So probably two years into the first business. So my whole goal after about three or four months in the corporate world was I want to be my own boss. I want to start my own business. I don't want to have to listen to this. I don't want my potential to be capped on the market or the 3% raise. I want to go be able to you know, make an impact, have fun, do all the things I want to do, which meant I want to be my own boss. Fast forward three years, I did that. I quit my job, started my own business. And I thought that was it. Like I made it. This is my big goal. And then I just start running the business. Eventually, the business starts running me. I'm working, like I said, 12, 14 hour days, which I loved. I was kind of similar to you. I was working with kids every day. So I was running after school, sports programs for kids, summer camp. So I loved it. It didn't feel like work. But then eventually I got to the point where I couldn't serve any more people. And I wanted, you know, there was demand in the market, but I was the bottleneck. And what really probably made me start to switch was I asked myself, what happens if I get hit by a bus, the proverbial bus? And it's, well, this business would go to zero pretty quickly because I was, I had coaches delivering the, the service, but I was doing everything else, you know, running the whole thing. And I realized that was a kind of a dangerous place to play. Not only for me, but my wife, if something happened to me and we're relying on that income, you know, we need to start building this thing into a business instead of just another job. So that was probably the biggest wall I hit. And that's when I realized if I delegate all this stuff to somebody else and it doesn't work, it's just going to come back to me anyway. So the worst case scenario is really not that bad. We always played up in our head like, oh man, it's going to crash and burn. I'm going to be out of business. But you're really not. So to me, that's when I really probably hit the wall and then broke through the wall. Uh, as well to really start turning it into a business instead of just a, you know, quote unquote, stressful job. So tell me about that experience of breaking through the wall. How long did it take and how did you go about doing that? Yeah. So, you know, really, like I said, I had people out delivering the service, but I was still running all the stuff in the office, whether it's answering the phones, emails, operations, finance, scheduling, all that stuff was all on me. So, you know, really, I I finally realized that I needed to have another goal. I needed to have a bigger vision than I just want to be my own boss. And that mentality probably came from, I grew up in Michigan, which is very blue collar. Everybody that owned their own business was more or less a one-man band. You got the auto mechanic. My dad was in hardwood floors. He was the hardwood floor guy. You got the electrician. And I just thought that's what business was. Like You just do that. I didn't think you could actually you know, build a team and have mm-hmm. people answer the phones and do all that kind of stuff. So... I think the breakthrough was, was getting really clear on my vision of what I wanted to build and why I wanted to build it. So I want this business to run without me, you know, so we can actually do what we want to do in this life because I didn't want to wait. The reason I quit my job originally was I didn't want to wait till I was 65 to start enjoying life. Right. And I was on that path again, even though I was, you know, doing what I love. So 
having that vision made a lot easier to start breaking through that wall of, hey, if I delegate this thing to Bruce and Bruce just isn't the right fit, it's going to be okay because I can just take it back. We can work together on it. So, you know, I found people who wanted to join the team. They're already coaching these programs. And I said, hey, I need like three or four full-time people. We'll ease into it. We're going to communicate. We're going to build this together. And they were bought in. And that made it a little bit easier because it wasn't just me telling them what to do. It was, hey, we're going to build this together. So I need everybody to communicate. It's not just my way or the highway. It's our way and putting it on the customers. If we do this, we can serve so many more kids. We can serve so many more customers and make a bigger difference. And that was the reason all those people joined my team in the first place. Like, I love kids. I love sports. And I want to give them an opportunity to stay busy after school. So that made it a little bit easier to have that vision. And we would just kind of work through it. Hey, this is the first thing I'm going to delegate. Then you're going to take this. And eventually, you're going to be answering the phone. Eventually, you're going to be answering the email. You know, so having that vision for them too allowed them to be like, I'm all in. Let's go. So, Paul, tell us more about your business and what you actually do to help the kids or what you did to help the kids. Yeah. So we ran uh, after school golf and tennis enrichment programs. So historically, those sports were always seen as kind of country club sports, not accessible to the average kid. Your parents have to be rich. They have to be white. They have to be old. So we really just we got all the equipment together, brought it to the schoolyard. And we said, hey, we can play golf on this soccer field. We can play golf in the gymnasium. We can play tennis anywhere. Like you can play basketball anywhere the ball bounces. Why can't we do that with tennis? So really making it super accessible to get them into a lifelong sport, because at the end of the day, once they graduate high school, they're not really going to play any other sports unless they're professionals. So making them accessible, but then really taking all the ingrained values in sports in general and golf and tennis have a lot of them, you know, so honesty, integrity, all those good things that we need to be good humans, mm-hmm. pulling those out and teaching them the enrichment part of it, and then transitioning them in the summertime on the weekends to actual facilities where they could then take what they've learned at school to actually go implement it with their families on the tennis courts at the golf course type of thing. So really rewarding, really, you know, I really loved every minute of it. Um, because I had always played sports. I played golf growing up. I coached, I coached basketball teams. I coached golf teams. Uh, so being able to make a business out of it was awesome. Uh, you know, and then really to find that when we sold it, we had 40 plus part-time employees to be able to give them a purpose too. a lot of them retirees mm-hmm. or stay at home parents or teachers who are like, this is awesome. And I get paid to do this. Like I'm all in. That is awesome. And does it still exist only in Michigan or did it spread in other areas of the U S or what? So yeah, so it was, uh, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina now. So I left Michigan. I got a finance degree in Michigan, moved to Chicago to climb the corporate ladder, realized that wasn't my thing. So then I moved to Raleigh. So it's still here in Raleigh. Uh, When I started, it was a startup franchise. So uh, I was one of the first franchisees of it. Within about a year, the franchisor actually hired me and said, hey, we need you to teach all these other people to run their business like you're running Mm -hmm. your business. So we were able to, after I sold it, I joined them as a consultant, kind of as a partner, and we continued to grow it. So it still exists out there. And then after that, kind of the next part of my journey was I wanted to get back into local business ownership. So I actually bought a couple of years ago an existing dog walking and pet sitting business as well. So did the same thing with that one. Found a bunch of people who love pets, who wanted to do something more, uh, wanted to get paid to do something that was super fun, who they loved working with every day because their pets always love seeing them. Sometimes your coworkers mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. So true. did the same thing there. Put the systems and processes, technology team in place. And then actually just at the beginning of 2020, one of our employees said, Hey, Paul, I want to buy your business. I love this thing that you're building. So I actually transitioned to him on January 1st. So now really my main focus is just helping small business owners out there 
build their business so they can do what they really want to do in life. Because I believe that's why we're doing this in the first place. And a lot of times we never get there. So what was your goal when you started the podcast, the business owners freedom formula show? Yeah. So I would say 2017 ish. That was, I started listening to podcasts when I was going through this development journey of how do I do this business thing? Like I know how to deliver the service. I don't really know how to build a business because people don't teach you that. So I really started consuming a lot of podcasts, Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, uh, and really just loved the medium of being able to consume content while I'm doing something else. At that time, at first, I didn't love reading. Now I read all the time, but I just thought podcasting was a great way to help people. So eventually launched my podcast. I think it was like April 2017. And really the goal was just to put out content for small business owners. I realized there's a lot of content out there. There's a lot of bright shiny objects. A lot of it's made for online marketing and you know digital marketing and hey, go from zero to eight figures overnight. So I really wanted to put out in the trenches feedback that I'm going through to help other people, advice, experience. And then the best part about it, in my opinion, and you probably will agree to that is when you interview other people, you just start to have these connections, collaborations. So I bring on a guest once a week. I do a solo show once a week. Uh, so really, it was just to have conversations with other smart people because as business owners, we can sit in our office all day and not really talk to anybody and it can kind of consume us. So being able to talk to really cool people doing really cool things, uh, that's what really just keeps me coming back every day. Yeah, well, uh, you're absolutely right about that. You can certainly feel isolated, that's for sure. I want to know if there's a way to use mindfulness as a foundation so that you can, as a business person, create those systems and processes to make your business thrive. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally think there is because a lot of times we as business owners, we're so consumed, we're so far into it that we aren't really mindful. We're not doing mindfulness things. We're just trying to keep the ship afloat. We're churning when burning and the hamster wheel's going. But if you set aside time like every day just to kind of be present, whether it's meditating or you know doing vision casting, reading books, whatever it is to really realize why am I doing what I'm doing and really getting focused on that and making that a priority. I know a lot of times we as business owners, we just wake up and start fighting fires and we aren't mindful all day and it's five o'clock. We're like, what happened? So you know, I definitely think there is because then you're able to, in my opinion, take a lot of the emotion out of making business decisions and really get clear on where do I really want to go? And let's sit down and meditate on this, or let's think about this, or let's whiteboard on this, whatever it is. Like I'm not a meditator, but I have my morning routine every single day that kind of gets me going to focus on the things that are really important, where a lot of times we get so consumed on the things that in the big picture really aren't important, but they feel so important at that time. So do you meditate? Is that part of your life, part of your morning routine? It is not. So I don't meditate. I've never, I know people, people make this excuse. I'm, I'm making an excuse basically that I just, it's just not my thing. I haven't figured out how it works for me, but I do. So my family wakes up usually at 6 a.m. Our daughter's off and running by then. My wife will get up usually 5, 5.30 and she starts getting ready. So our, by 6 a.m., our day is like off to the races. So I get up at 4 a.m., and that first hour is really just to me. So, you know, I'll read my books. I'm always reading some sort of book. And I found that I can, if I read in the morning, my day is just set up way better than trying to read at night. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's my morning routine. Get up, get going, do that thing. And then I'll go to the gym at five. I get home by six. Uh, so those first two hours, what I have found for me coming from where I was, where I would just wake up and start working uh, has really made a big difference, even just in my daily energy. Like I'm not tired. I, 
I feel set up. I don't feel stressed because I've already taken the time to kind of build that daily foundation. Yeah. So, Paul, let's talk about money. A lot of people have problems with money and mindset. They can't make money flow in their lives. They feel like there's a money block. Have you ever had any money blocks? What are your comments on this? Yeah, I would. I mean, I do. And I still go through them. One is putting surround, you know, so where I came from, it was very blue collar. Like the rich people were kind of, you know, we don't talk to those people and we kind of despise them. We're jealous of them. They're bad people because it was such a blue collar world. It was just, Hey, you work at the, you know, Ford GM Chrysler, you work on the line and sure. you feel like the world owes you something and you're always fighting some mythical thing. Um, so, you know, Go, then going through the finance world from 2007 to 2010, everybody blamed anybody working in the finance world for the whole collapse. Uh, so that was kind of a weird point. And then probably the biggest issue I had being a business owner is I really, truly loved what I do. So getting over the mental block of it's okay to charge a premium for what you're doing because really the money is just the end product of how many people you impact. Even today, like I love just jumping on the phone and talking business with people when maybe I should be charging. Uh, you know, so getting over the hump, over the mental barrier. So uh, reading books on self-development, personal development, and then having reminders even just pop up your phone like, hey, I do have a millionaire mindset. And I, the millions isn't because I'm greedy. It's because I'm impacting so many people. And that's just the byproduct of that. Yeah. I know your website, paulmaskell.com is awesome. P-A-U-L, of course, M-A-S-K-I-L-L, paulmaskell.com. So what are you working on right now exactly, Paul? Yeah. So really now I'm just focused uh, on my mastermind. So as you kind of referenced at the beginning, uh, what I found being in business for myself, it was kind of an isolated world. You know, there's not a lot of people to talk to. If you try and go talk to your neighbors, like even you talking about podcasts and they're like, what? what, you have a podcast? How do you do that? So being able to put together a group of people who are going through the same things, who are fighting the same battles and then learning from people who have done what you want to do or are at a place where you want to be. Uh, that's really what I've been focused on since I sold the last business. Uh, we closed January 1st. So it's been a couple months, launched the mastermind at the end of 2019 uh, you know, and I realized that there's kind of a stigma for people to ask for help, you know, with any aspect of life, like, Hey, my marriage isn't working. It's weird if I go to a counselor or, but if the most successful people are always being helped and being counseled and being coached, then it's okay to be that in a small business, you know, small business owner as well. So really put that together to help, you know, transform business operators into business owners, CEOs, start taking control, uh, you know, really leveraging their business, like you mentioned, to do what you really want to do in life. And that's my view is whatever we're building, it should be a vehicle to do what we really want to do in this life. And we shouldn't have to wait until it's all said and done. So that's what the mastermind's all about. You know, me being their mentor, helping them put together a plan to figure out where they really want to go. And then really it's all about accountability. So if you have a coach, you have a mentor and you have accountability, tie that in with the vision of knowing where you exactly want to go. Uh, you know, you can do really powerful things. So that's really my main focus right now is serving small business owners. Uh, and I found the mastermind, not only does it make it a lot more affordable for the people I love working with, but the results are exponential because they're in a room and they can finally let their hair down because they're surrounded with people who actually get it. So let's talk more about what that mastermind actually looks like. How many people are in it? What are the expectations? How often do you meet? You know, what's it like? 
Yeah, that's a great question, Bruce. So we get together on Zoom once a week for 90 minutes. Uh, and the maximum amount of people in any group is 10 people. So you're going to meet a group with nine other business owners. And every week we'll go through wins. Follow up on your first part is, hey, you said you're going to do this at the end of last week. Did you do it? Why or why not? How can we help you? Uh, and then the next, the main part of it is we have three people that are on a hot seat. So it's their time, 20 to 25 minutes to, hey guys, I'm really struggling with this, or I need feedback on this, or I want help on this. And we can just dive into their business. Uh, and then the last part of that is we do goal setting for the following week. And then the bigger picture on that is we go through the 12 week year, the Brian Moran concept of getting more done in 12 weeks than most people get done in 12 months. So we track that and make sure, hey, you said this is what you're going to be doing, what you want to accomplish in 12 weeks. Are you doing that or are you getting sidetracked? Are you making excuses type of thing? So a lot of it's accountability. Uh, and then we bring on guest experts once a month to share, a, you know, whatever they're really experts in finance, sales, marketing, uh, coaching, building teams, that kind of stuff. And then I do offer some office hours as well throughout the month where I'll just jump on Zoom and anybody can come on and ask, ask me questions and get help with their business. So that's kind of the logistics of it you know, on a, on a daily, weekly basis. And then we stay in communication on Slack. So everyone's on Slack and you can always reach out to me or anybody else. Um, and then they do get access to all my one-on-one -on -one coaching content that I used to have. So when I used to do one-on-one -on -one coaching, I had all online platform. They go through the modules, submit homework, all that. So they do kind of get my roadmap to kind of building, scaling and automating a business as well. And what kind of financial investment is involved in getting in, into this? Yeah. So like I mentioned before, my one-on-one -on -one coaching was just cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Uh, and it was really draining on my time. So what I thought would be a much better idea was go this route and it has proven to be successful. So uh, if anybody joins right now, it's $300 a month, no long-term commitment. You can cancel anytime. Um, obviously I recommend everyone give it at least six months for it to really work its powers, uh, really start changing your mindset, your vision and all that good stuff. So uh, as we get more people, it'll go up, but it would stay the same for anybody. If, you, if you're paying $300 today, you'll pay that forever unless you leave and come back. So uh, try to make it really affordable, but enough for people to take action because if it's free, we're not going to get any results. Right. Yeah, for sure. So can you tell us a story about somebody who joined your mastermind and you know their life just had a, a huge turnaround? Yeah. So I would say uh, this story kind of sticks with me because it was, it was kind of crazy the way it happened. So one of some of the some of the people in there they live here in Raleigh. So I went up to lunch uh, with a lady in the group. So her and her husband own a home detailing business. She kind of runs the office and the phones and all that. And then he's always out doing the power washing, the gutter cleaning, all that kind of stuff. So uh, went out to lunch with him because she's in the mastermind. He's not. So she's getting all this stuff and it's like, man, you got to get on board. She's trying to get him to change. So we went out to lunch and. Uh, you know, just trying to get a better idea of why they're doing what they're doing. And, you know, I said, well, we got a couple of kids. We really want to turn this into a legacy business and turn it over to them and really build wealth and do all these great things. And I said, well, what's your plan to get there? And he's like, well, I need to, you know, I need to hire people, da 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 da. I need to build a team. And then I said, well, why aren't you doing that? And he said, because I'm a perfectionist and I, nobody can do it as well as I can. And I don't want to hire anybody. And I said, well, then your actions aren't mapping to your goals. So what are you going to do to start changing? You know, and kind of getting them over that, oh, well, that's where I want to go. It's okay that other people go power wash a house. 80% as good as you can do it is still 80% better than the customer could do it. And that's why they're paying you. Mm -hmm. um, and this was on a Friday. So I said, just something to think about, you know, your actions aren't mapping to where you want to go. And 
there's no better time to start than now because what if something happens? You know, uh, mm-hmm. you got kids, you got a mortgage, you got all these things. And then we're wrapping up the conversation and he just said, uh, you know, hey, what are you guys up to this weekend? And he said, oh, I'm going to go four wheeling, you know, on my uh, ATV. That's what I kind of like to do. Get out, clear my head type of stuff. He said, oh. And I said, not to be blunt, but what happens if you're on your four wheeler this weekend and you break a leg? How are you going to support your family? Which you told me is your number one goal because revenue is going to stop if you can't go clean a house. And you can't build a legacy business if it's all related on you. He said, yeah, that's a great point. Off he went. Monday morning, the wife calls and said, you wouldn't believe it. Ty got in a wreck. And oh my gosh. Uh, he didn't break his leg, but he kind of mangled his foot and he can't work for like a month at least. Oh, so wow. it took that conversation plus that happening to them, hi- them hiring two full-time people and being like, this is the best thing ever. Unfortunately, most business owners are in that same position where they wait too long, even though they know they need to change. They wait until it's like a five alarm fire. So encourage anybody out there, if you know where you're going, you have that vision, ask yourself, are my daily actions mapping to it? If not, that really becomes the ultimate filter. This is where I want to go for my family, myself, my my philanthropic goals, whatever your goals are personally, professionally, philanthropically, you need to make sure your daily actions are mapping to that. And a lot of times they're not. So you know, really just getting clear with people and being that sounding board, being that mentor, and then holding them accountable. Because we as business owners, we don't have a boss. We can make excuses all day to not do what we know we need to do. Well, Paul, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And I know we've talked about meditation and that's not really something you do, but I want to ask you what one person has kind of helped you to get focused, to get grounded, that whole mindfulness aspect, if you will in your life? Yeah. So I would say currently, uh, Tommy Breedlove. So I don't know if you know Tommy Breedlove. I do. Yeah, I do know Tommy. So actually it was just at his book launch and he actually came on my podcast probably three years ago. We ended up joining Mastermind Together, Iron Sharpens Iron with Aaron Walker. Okay. But his journey and just what he's been able to do and not just what he's been able to do, but how transparent he is with everybody, his wife, his audience, his brothers, yeah. like everybody. I would say someone like that just to inspire me to be mindful and to be present and to really, you know, appreciate what's really going on in this world. Awesome. Yeah. He is a terrific guy, absolutely transparent. And uh, I, I just absolutely loved interviewing him as well. So number two, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? That's a good question, Bruce. So I would say, I would say there's kind of a paradox here. So one, it allows me to remove some emotion from decisions because I am a little bit more mindful, but it also allows me to have more emotion for other people and understand, Hey, what are you really going through? Um, you know, and really kind of having that empathy, whereas before I'd be just like, suck it up, like just keep charging. So it's really kind of both, both sides, like removing the emotion to make decisions, but then also having more emotion for other people, more empathy for other people and be mindful of what, you know, what they might be going through or, you know, really listening instead of just tuning it all out because they're just making an excuse. That's kind of how I've always been wired. (laughs) Right. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Do you have any special thoughts or advice about breathing? Not particularly though. I know that's becoming a pretty big movement. I followed Jesse Itzler. I don't know if you know Jesse Itzler is, but he went to Poland and like did this whole Wim Hof thing and really got into breathing. And he said, it's changed so many people's lives. But I do know that when I go to the gym, when I focus on my breathing, it does make a big difference. Uh, and at first, I never, never really had to focus on that. 
uh, or never thought to focus on that. So I do know uh, even the, the trainer, the coach in there is like, dude, focus on your breathing, focus on your breathing. So I haven't made it to the point of kind of the Wim Hof and doing all that stuff, but I do know it makes a huge difference uh, when I am uh, working out. Yeah, I'm a Wim Hof follower and I, it has made a big difference for me as well. If you could recommend a book, and I know you said you read all the time now, what book would you recommend, which kind of can help people get grounded and get more centered, that kind of thing? Yeah. So I would say, I would go back to the 12 week year that we talked about because it's helped me and it helps everyone in the mastermind just really get focused on what's important. So it's like, if this is where I want to be in three years, and this is my vision for my family, my philanthropic efforts, whatever you want to leverage your business to do, then it just breaks it down of like, what's really important? What do I need to focus on every day? And I just have three goals that I need to accomplish every 12 weeks and all my actions need to map to that. So I would recommend the 12 week year. Like I said, there's hundreds of great books out there, but I think that one just to stay focused on what's actually important, tune out the noise, the bright, shiny objects, and just keep moving forward. Awesome. Uh, can you share an app which can help with this sort of thing? So I don't like, I'm literally not on my phone at all. I'm usually so on a that's computer. probably a smart thing. So usually that's a good thing. So I don't yeah. really use any apps uh, to, to stay mindful. I do have Evernote on my phone. So if something comes up that I'm, I want to take notes on and then basically send it to my computer more or less so that I can pull it back up. Uh, that's kind of the app that I would use just to kind of those thoughts that come in and like, oh, I need to take action on that or I need to follow up on that. I'll just pop it in there and then I can pull it up on my computer when I get to the computer. Right. So you do use Evernote. Well, it's been really great talking to you, Paul. And of course, paulmaskell.com, M-A-S-K-I-L-L, paulmaskell.com. Any parting words? Yeah, Bruce. So, I mean, I really enjoyed the conversation. And, you know, if you asked me five years ago, I would be like this whole mindfulness, this whole, emo, you know, EQ side, emotional side, personal development side is kind of nonsense. Um, but I was just recording a podcast actually for tomorrow, which I think is very, uh, very relevant that there is no trophy for going in alone. It's okay to reach out for help, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your business. Uh, nobody of greatness got there alone. Uh, and just even referencing Tommy Breedlove, if he just put out a book, Legendary, uh, How to Live a Legendary Life. It's all about you know the things that we've talked about too, like surround yourself with those people, be mindful, have the morning routine. There is no... you know you can kind of let the ego down, let the hair down. And when you need help, when you feel stuck, reach out to somebody who has been through what you're going through. No one's going to judge you. You know, the ego doesn't matter. I just see way too many business owners wait until it's too late. They close up their shop and then they blame everybody else except themselves when they, they probably saw red flags a really long time ago, but they'll blame the weather. They'll blame the president. They'll blame their employees, whatever it might be, but really just, you know, get focused and understand that it's okay to reach out for help. Surround yourself with people who are doing things that you want to do, uh, you know, and you'll probably get to where you want to go a lot quicker. Good advice. Thank you so much for being on the show, Paul. Thank you, Bruce. Really enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening. It's good to have you with us today, as always. And don't forget about that guided meditation I mentioned at the top of the show. It's $4.99. It's a full 30-minute guided meditation by yours truly to help you get focused, to help you release your tensions and stress. And it's at mindfulnessmode.com slash release. So don't forget to share the news about Mindfulness Mode. Tell your friends, share it on social media, and that would be very much appreciated. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in, Mindful Tribe.